Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. Uh, Men, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, this is Rob Spectra, Pastor of Discipleship. How's it going, guys? This is Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. And Kevin Kenora, Pastoral Assistant. Okay. Um, what we want to talk about today is preparing your children for the sacraments. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about. We're in the midst of studying the sacraments in the Westminster Confession of Faith. We're going to be spending some significant time over the next month or so talking about that. But we wanted to drill down. Um, We have a unique perspective at Sacred City on baptism in that we welcome to the table both paedo-baptists and credo-baptists, or we welcome into church membership. Um, But we do so through a covenantal understanding, okay? Um, a covenantal understanding of our relationship with God. <clears throat> so we want to teach credo-baptists, those who believe in believers-only baptism, how to um, work that out with a covenantal understanding of God and, and you know, what, what kind of relationship do I have with God? And is my relationship with God just individual or is God made a covenant with me and my household? And my children, we want to teach our people. Um, now, listen, you you don't have to agree with us on this, but you you do have to listen to our teaching on this. Okay, so so this is what our church believes. This is what our church teaches: that God makes a covenant with us and our household, and there's blessings and curses in that. There's signs and seals in that, and so we don't want to have a strictly individualistic understanding of our relationship with God. Okay, so. Um, so what I want to talk about is how to prepare your kids to understand and participate in the sacraments. Now, this is going to look two ways. One, if you are a paedo-baptist, you already have this covenantal understanding, and you, have, you were baptized, and you baptized your babies when they, whenever they were a week old or whatever, you, we, first opportunity you had, you baptized your baby... And that baptism was a sign and a seal of the covenant of grace that God makes a one-way covenant with us. It's not dependent upon our own works at all. And that that was a sign and a seal that they will, they will be washed of all their sins. They will be raised to new life in Christ um, if, if and when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, okay? And in the covenant of grace, <clears throat> in the work of Christ. Okay. So for that person, that kid's already been baptized, now, a couple things can happen. In our church, more than likely, that kid gets baptized, and then it goes to the nursery for a while, and it goes to the kids' ministry for a few years, and then whenever that child um, is able and ready to... And so in those situations, they're getting age-specific gospel presentations. We're teaching mm-hmm. the scriptures to them in an age-specific way. And then whenever they're ready to... And they've been discipled also by their parents to sit still and to not cause a ruckus in, in, in the church, not to leave, you know, every time the thought of coffee or the thought of a mint or a thought of going to the bathroom enters their mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they don't just get up and leave. When, they, when they've been taught to sit there, um, they, they come in and sit there. And so sometimes that's, some, some kids do that at age two or three. Sometimes they do that at grade two or three, you know, um, wherever that is. 
So here's what happens. Now they're baptized. They're baptized. Uh, they're baptized into the into the covenant. They're a baptized member of our covenant community, and now they come into and into the main service, and they see us at the at the end come forward for the Lord's Supper, and it's for all baptized believers. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what we say: baptized believers. And so what we're saying is faith is necessary to partake in the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, many people can turn faith into some kind of work. And when they come, they're coming up down up front and their kid goes, what are you doing? Where, where are you going? Yeah. And, and if you haven't prepared your child for this, for this moment, there might, there's might be a, a weird moment where you you as a parent might go, you can't partake because you only got 20 seconds before you get up there. <laughs> I'll tell you about this later. We'll talk about this later. This is for baptized believers only. Mm-hmm. And the thought in our mind is you're baptized, but I don't know if you've put your faith in Christ yet mm-hmm. in that moment, if we haven't had the conversation beforehand. Okay. So this is a this is a moment like it gets a little weird. Then usually you can go home, you can talk about it, and that kid's probably gonna be really mad at you. And he's gonna go, What do you mean, Dad? I've believed my whole life. Of course I believe. Right. So what I mean is we can turn it into a work as people are tempted to say, well, I don't know. Mm. You sure you really believe? Mm-hmm. I've seen how you've been fighting with your brother. I don't know. I haven't really seen the fruits of the Spirit. And we're, try- we're kind of, we're using faith as a work there. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying? Now, here's how the scenario goes <clears throat> on the opposite side of the aisle. If you're a credo Baptist, more than likely you have dedicated yourself and your child. You have made an oath before God to raise your child in the fear and admonition, admonition of the Lord and, and to disciple them at home and to keep them a part of the, the covenant community. And your kid is often in, in, in our kids' ministry as well. Um, and many times people with, without a covenantal understanding, a, a covenant Baptist understanding, well, kind of, they're totally fine with keeping their kids in the kids' ministry for as long as the church would have them. Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of churches do. They a lot of churches even have their own Sunday morning youth ministry type of deal. Yeah. Uh, we think it's important to get the kids kind of as early as possible in with the mixed multitude, the ages, um, and so they can um, even when they're not going to fully understand it, they can learn to participate as, as the, in the body of Christ. So. What, might, what could happen then is that child, um, through a million different classroom lessons and everything else, comes to believe in Jesus Christ. They come to em- embrace faith. And yet, they've never been baptized. And the parents on that side of the aisle can use baptism as some kind of work even. I don't know. Are you really saved? Are you really saved? Are you really saved? We're waiting to see more fruit in your life. We're waiting to see more fruit in your life. Um, before we're going to allow you to be baptized. Can we really baptize a two-and-a-half-year-old? Can we really baptize a three-year-old? Can we really? And again, I would push on my Baptist friends and say, yeah, you need to understand this from a covenantal perspective mm. and not from baptism as, an, you know, as, a, as, as a work that once it's done, that child is now going to never sin again in their life or something. Mm-hmm. Most Southern Baptists, I just heard the statistic this week and I thought it was hilarious. Most Southern Baptists are baptized 2.75 times. 
wow. I'm not sure what that 0.75 baptism looks like, but <laughs> because they get baptized early in life, yeah. and then maybe they have a season of wandering or, or a difficult season, and then once they really get the gospel when they're in their 20s or something, now they want to be baptized again because they believe baptism follows their conversion. And it and it it's and it's mattering. Baptism it matters where on the salvation spectrum you lie. Was it before you actually professed faith? Was it in the middle? Was it after? You know, like where is it at? And so, so people end up getting baptized multiple times. I, I have to admit, I'm one of those people. Uh, before I came to a covenantal understanding of of the, of the sacraments. But so the Baptist, so the Baptist is wondering: Should I baptize my child because it might their faith not be might not be real right now, and um, and it, it creates kind of this difficult situation. How much faith does my child really have to have in order for them to be baptized? Mm. You know, they're kind of ju- they become like salvation CSI detectives. Mm. Just how saved are you? Right. You know, and and if if you're trying to d- decipher that. The question is always going to be not saved enough, because I'm not I'm not glorified. I'm yeah. all, there's always going to be a lot of sin, sin in my life. Yeah. Okay, so what I'd like to have is I'd like to have this conversation. I think all parents have to deal with it. So it's either when do you let your kid eat the supper, mm-hmm. or when do you baptize your kid, mm-hmm. or how to. So I want to talk about this conversation from that perspective. How do we prepare our kids for the sacraments? I'm still stuck on the 0.75 baptism. Is that you only bring them three quarters out of the water yeah. and you, you leave them there? Yeah, his feet stayed up. Yeah, his feet stayed yeah, up. His feet stayed They're up. going swimming, go. Three quarters of the body is up. The yeah. feet are still up. We got a three quarter. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. But that means a lot of people have been baptized three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that means, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Father, it's, Son, Holy Spirit, they say. Yeah. <laughs> once, once the Father, once the Son, the next is the Spirit. The Spirit's one that finally takes. Yeah, I think with, with regard. So I've, I've um, you know, I, I started off my in my life non-covenantal, had children under that context, and then I've, since I've had a child, Emily, our daughter, who was baptized as a, as a child, as an infant, about a one-year-old, a little over one. Um, yeah, I, I think with her, particularly as I think about how that's changed for us is that we, you know, it, it's it's the pointing her towards. So, so the conversations that we were having or had with her was that it's it's when we tell her, yeah, you were baptized, um, and that is a is a pointing towards uh, what the sign is. It's it's a sign to your pointing towards what you need to do is rest and trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, um, and. And it is a guarantee that when you do that, when you place your faith in in Him as your Lord and Savior, that that is that baptism, what that's that that was a sign and seal of, will be real. It'll be you know true 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 of your life. And so it's more of those that more of that kind of a conversation with her um, of just trying to explain why did we do the baptism? What uh, as an as an, a child? What does that mean? And what does that mean for you in terms of what do you do with this? Mm-hmm. With this information, you know, uh, of it. So it was, you know, it was more just that kind of a conversation. And I don't really remember the moment when we said, okay, you're ready. It just, I, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I want to, sometimes I think parents, specifically from the more of the credo Baptist position, they put, they make baptism some kind of 
really, how do I say this? It's supposed to be like this emotional, mm. uh, it's like a graduation party. Mm-hmm. It's like a prom. It's like this. Graduated into the kingdom of God. Yeah, but it, but it's supposed to have this emotional, it's like a deep feeling for the, for the person. Mm. And so they're trying to wait until they, they see their child is really like, loves the gospel that much. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a wrong way of looking at baptism. I think baptism is meant to be a sign and seal of the covenant of grace. And that just doesn't sound very gracious. Mm-hmm. That sounds mm-hmm. manu- like a parent's trying to manufacture a deep experience for, for a person, rather than that this sign and seal really does something. Yeah. It really does. Now, we're not sacramentalists that believe there's something special in the sign that if, if done without faith, uh, you know, without faith present... That it's going to save that person and send them to hell, right? Like we don't we don't believe in that. But when a parent believes that God is a covenant keeping God mm-hmm. to a thousand generations, and the promise and the blessing of the gospel is for me and for my household, yeah. and for all who believe that I want my child to be in that covenant community, be in that covenant community, and I want them to have the sign and the seal of it because baptism, and this is how we were describing it. Baptism is not salvific in the sense that it saves us or justifies us. Baptism does not contribute to our justification one iota. But when you understand salvation, including justification, sanctification, glorification, when our our salvation is that big, right? And we could get into even deeper steps than that. We could go all the way back to election. Mm. When we understand salvation is that big, Salvation does do something to us. So Peter would say that it... You, baptism, you mean? Does baptism. Did, what did I say? Did you say salvation. Uh, baptism. Oh, I'm sorry. Baptism. Yeah. Baptism does give us... Uh, it seals us and gives a sign to us. It does something. It has a real effect on our life. Mm-hmm. Peter says, baptism saves you in this sense. Not that it actually really removes sin from your body, but it does some sanctifying work in our life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want my child to have that right away, yeah. and then I can use that, and I can point back to that and say, "Honey, did you know that you were baptized? You're not talking like a baptized person right now, or you're not acting like a baptism ba- baptized person. Remember what your baptism says, and your baptism is a sign and seal that those who trust in Christ, their sins will be washed away. But those who reject Christ will be drowned in their sins. There will be no resurrection for them. There will, mm. you know, and so that baptism." Does something now, <clears throat> but baptism also doesn't forgive sins, right? Right, right. Okay, oh, yeah. it does not. It points towards the covenant of grace, mm-hmm. and the covenant of grace is Jesus Christ is the one forgives yeah, sins. And I would think, I, I think your your kind of description of this is accurate because I'm trying to reflect back now on the, my our children previous to our daughter, which when we were, I was not a covenantal. I didn't understand the covenant of grace at that point when I was raising them. And so I was looking for, and it was kind of, it was kind of, it was almost just assumed that you understood this, that you were looking for something. You were really waiting for them to say, oh, I I have this aha moment. I need to be, I need to be baptized. And so it was more resting upon them having some kind of experience some kind of a recognition that yeah. they were that they were saved and that fits well with how if you're non-covenantal if you don't understand the covenant of grace it fits more uh, with a, a, a 
the emphasis is on me coming to an understanding of my need for Jesus Christ, me coming to an understanding of of what Christ did on the cross, me coming to understand of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's more, my salvation is more based upon me coming to some recognition, some kind of faith moment, which, you know, I would say in covenantal, we would say as a covenantal, uh, you know, we, we understand that, yeah, it does require faith, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But but the emphasis uh, outside of what of a, of a kind of understanding of the covenant of grace is that it really is highly dependent upon me to come to this recognition. And as a result, then, it's also highly dependent upon me to come to consciousness of I need to be baptized. I should, it's it's yeah. a further obedience is what it was always described as for, for me and what I described for my children. And that was, it was kind of going a little bit deeper, yeah. uh, kind of a feel to it. The, it all, that, that understanding also, if you were a person who came to faith, if you didn't have Christian parents, and so you came to faith later in life, it was probably a kind of a radical conversion. Yeah. You, you didn't know God and then bam, you come to know God. And so you probably had one of those dramatic testimonies, mm-hmm. you know? And so for, for a person who's had that kind of experience, now they, they're in the community of faith and the covenant community of faith. And now they, they start, they get married, they start having children. They're expecting their children to have that same experience that they had. But that would, they did not have a covenantal conversion experience. Like you, you as a person growing up did not have a normal covenantal conversion experience. You had, you were a, a radical, an enemy outside of God. You were outside the covenant community and God grafted you into the vine. Yeah. The normative experience for a Christian should be to grow up in a Christian home, to be so saturated with the gospel, involved in the covenant community early on, receive the covenant sign of baptism early on. Mm-hmm. And when... When you ask that person, do they believe in Jesus at two years old, they should be able to shake their head yes, if they're not talking by then or whatever, right? They should be able to shake their head yes, of course. What do you mean? Of course I believe in Jesus. And when you're when they're six years old and you ask them if they believe in Jesus, they have the right to be offended at you. What do you mean? Yeah. Of course I believe in Jesus. Who else would I believe in? We're Christians. You've been raising us as Christians our whole life. What do you mean? That, a covenantal conversion, that's what covenantal conversion should look like. It should not look like, Oh, you know, I lived in the bars for 16 years and then I came to Christ. That's not the conversion of a Christian, mm-hmm. right? A, a, a person that was raised in a Christian home. There should be, I've, I've been under the blessings of the covenant my whole entire life. And if, I can't even imagine not believing mm. in Jesus. And right? I think too, what you're getting at it, um, is, it sounds like it's like a continuous conversation. It's not like just having a conversation one time, and it's, and then as a parent, you're like, oh, I washed my hands with it. I got that. I got that knocked out um, for the year or yeah. for their whole life. So I think it's it's something that is ongoing um, each day or each week, each month as as it comes up. But it's it is that. But it's more than that. I don't want parents to be cynics. I don't want parents to sound like the devil to their children. The yeah, devil sure. is the accuser of the brethren. The devil is the one going, I don't know, are you really saved? Mm-hmm. Hmm, I don't know, are you really saved? Let's check your fruit. Yeah. Let's check your fruit. Are you For really sure. saved? That's what the devil does. Mm-hmm. And I want to be Christians that believe that God is a covenant-keeping God yeah. and that he is saving our children. He gave us our children for a reason, and we're raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And then when that child says, I believe in Jesus, we say, of course you do. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do, because we have a covenant-keeping God. Yeah, And so whether that child is three years old doing that, right, 
So if a child is three years old doing that, sitting through the entire sitting through our service, I say give that child communion. That's a that's a bapt and they've been baptized. That's a baptized believer. Give give them communion. Yeah. I am not waiting for them to have a, a conversion experience or having some kind of aha moment where they really get the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Right? The mm. same way I mm. wouldn't for because their brains are not mm. I know their brains aren't fully developed. Neither is a person that has mental disorders and mental illnesses. And I'm still giving them the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Because I think it has a tangible benefit. Yeah. It might be the Lord's Supper one day that causes them to actually get it. Yeah. Right? And that and that drop and it's usually that getting it is a, is a, is a, a lifetime experience. So what does that look like with the uh, confession of faith, right? So there's some that, you know, baptize their kids and their kids, um, you know, want to get have the uh, communion and they're coming to faith, but they, is it not getting the communion until you actually confess your faith? Or like, what does that look like? So Because that's what we do for our church, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the confession of faith is meant to be that memorable moment where the child that where that child has said, "Daddy, I'm a Christian." Daddy, Daddy, I believe, mm-hmm. right? And so we wanted to. It's not a new sacrament. It's not yeah. a sacrament. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. it's it's, not a it's just an oath. It's just a thing that we do, um, kind of like uh, dedication is not a sacrament. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. but it's it, it's meant to be for the parents that want that almost like I hate to say it like this, almost like that bar mitzvah, almost like that moment mm-hmm. where. To signify this child has made the faith their own, we wanted to have an opportunity for parents or, or, and for kids to get up there and profess their faith and take the Lord's Supper. Yeah, and we're not requiring it. We're no. not requiring it. Right. If a parent, you know, like you were saying, if the child is three years old and they're professing their understanding of the gospel, they can come forth. They've been baptized as an infant. That's good. They don't need to have a profession, yeah. of, a confession like that of a, yeah, a, yeah. in the service. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's, an, here's another thought. We don't... God's given elders the keys of the kingdom. Yep. And part of the keys of the kingdom is, is to excommunicate people from the fellowship and keep people from partaking in, in, in the Lord's Supper. So anyone who's eating the bread or drinking of the cup in an unworthy manner, they're eating and drinking damnation unto themselves. So we, we are to bar the table in a sense if a man is cheating on his wife and we know it and he's unrepentant, we will not let him come to the table. Right? We, we bar him from coming to the table. We don't want to bar baptized believers who are in good faith with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that might be a th- three-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a three-year-old. So, so Dad, I, your three-year-old is in service with you and wants to partake of the communion, and you say, do you believe that Jesus Christ died, lived a perfect life, died, and rose again to forgive you of all your sins? Yes, I do. Of course I do, Dad. Yeah. Okay. Let them partake. Well, they haven't done the profession yet. Okay. Don't bar them from the table in order to fulfill some man-made thing that we've got. Just for the next four weeks, let them partake of the table and then do the profession uh, mm-hmm. whenever the next one comes up because I think it's coming up, comes up sure. like every six weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, the same thing with, with uh, and the same thing goes with baptism. Your, if your three-year-old says they believe in Jesus, baptize them. Mm-hmm. Let's baptize them, mm-hmm. Right. This isn't, you know, so, uh, and then, and one of the things I really like is now that when we're baptizing kids, Emily's bringing a lot, I think either all the kids or all their class down mm-hmm. to watch it yeah. mm-hmm. because that is them professing their faith mm-hmm. and that is going to encourage the other kids. Well, I want to do that. Yeah. I, I, I want to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
Um, I just think I just think it's really good that you like are bringing it up and, and speaking to it in this light because I think as parents, um, a lot of times it's, it's it's seeing what the kids are doing bad instead of seeing like the evidence of grace that like God is uh, doing in their life. And I think like this way it's like, oh, this is good news. It's not like, well, you just kicked your brother on the way over here. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. like let, let's well, let's focus in on the good news of them professing their faith, knowing who Christ is and how He has resurrected from the, from the dead, and and that they're believing this. This this is good news. Like here, take the bread and and enjoy God's bread and drink His you know the blood. And I think that's that's good news. I, I'm just uh, so I think we need to speak to the fear that's in all this. And here's the fear. I think that um, there's a fear of parents that their children are going to partake in baptism maybe or partake in the Lord's Supper and the fear is that they've that they're going to re, that down the road they're going to walk away from their faith and but they're going to say hey but I've been baptized or I've been you know I mean th- there's a fear of giving them too much assurance is that is is that a legitimate fear to give them too much assurance i mean i think this is i'm trying to figure out why it is that we do hesitate because because it's just historically one of the things that we recognize recognize we're, we're a country made of immigrants and immigrants that came from a lot of countries that to be a citizen of that state you had to be baptized as an infant but they had no life whatsoever they didn't they didn't attend church whatsoever but they got baptized in order to get the benefits of the state so you can think of some of the Scandinavian countries they come over here as Im- immigrants they don't want to have anything to do with that these immigrants because they want to have true faith they want to have a freedom of religion in which people are not just simply you know kind of baptized willy-nilly don't have any don't have any real 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 life and so this is somewhat of a reaction to that historically but i think as parents it's also there is this concern that somehow they're not saved right Mm-hmm. They haven't placed faith in Jesus Christ, but oh, but they get it in their head. They got it in their head, but they don't have it, if you will, in their heart. And so, oh no, I baptized them, and now I've given them a false sense of assurance that they're saved, and they're not. You know, am I as a parent? You have this fear mm-hmm. that maybe I have led them down a road of false assurance, and they're going to die one day and be separated from God yeah. for all eternity. Um, <clears throat> I I don't. First off, I I can kind of understand that. Um, that understanding, or that that uh, that that thought process, but I think couple couple things we should we should think about. Number one, remember that a covenant comes with bless. It's it's a sign and seal of blessings and curses for disobedience. Yeah. So it's not just a sign that we have been saved. It's a. It's also a sign that if we don't trust in Christ, we'll be eternally lost. Yeah. Right. So, if we stop eating and drinking of the cup in a, in a worthy manner, then we will be eating and drinking damnation. We will be cut off mm-hmm. from Christ. If we don't come to the table, then we're not of His. Right. We're eating at some other table, some other table in the world. Mm-hmm. So the sign itself has also the sign of curses, mm-hmm. and I think. That's we need to emphasize that with our children. We need to teach our children that because they need to know, you know, the blessings for obedience and the curses for for disobedience. Mm-hmm. We, they need to they need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think this is a sign of the covenant of grace, and we need to um, use the signs and seals of that 
gracious covenant as often as we can in the lives of our children, trusting a gracious God who loves our children more than we do, yeah. and who is... I mean, there's, there is nothing we can do to save our children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, it's not like their salvation is dependent upon whether they were baptized in April or whether they were baptized in you know, April of the next year. Mm-hmm. Nor is it dependent upon whether or not I can, I can rightfully discern whether or not they're saved or not. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not up to me ultimately to make that discern- determination. That is, from his perspective, of, eternal perspective, that's God's perspective. And it seems to be that actually the, the sacraments can be that weight of, that God can use on a child's life who may go wayward who remembers the day when they were taking the Lord's Supper on a regular yeah. basis, and all of a sudden they're That's not. Good. And there's just this weight of understanding, I, I am not living in accordance to mm-hmm. what is true of me, of my yeah. signs and the signs and seals of, mm-hmm. of the sacraments that were given to me. I mean, God can actually use it as a means yeah. to bring conviction and bring them back into obedience to the covenant. So they may be under the covenant this whole time, um, walking away, Receiving the dis, you know the curses of the disobedience to that covenant, and yet God can use that very thing mm-hmm. to draw them back into a place of obedience because they see that they just feel the, the the indwelling Holy Spirit just weighs them down with the sacraments, you know, and they they yeah. they repent and they come back to faith. So I don't yeah. think there's I think it's an unnecessary. It's placing too much weight, I, I, and I I get it. I'm a parent. Uh, I, we place a lot of weight on. On what we're doing is have somehow we've got we can manufacture we, salvation. We, we can be God. Thank you. Manufacture <laughs> yeah, salvation. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And and we need to repent of that mm-hmm. and let God your do parenting, his work. Your parenting is going to be one of the greatest revelations that you are not Jesus and they need Jesus. Yes. That's yeah, right. Because you are damaging your children. Yeah. You are wounding your children. Right. You are not the perfect parent. You are not Jesus. They need to be saved from your parenting. Yes. yes. Okay, yeah. and from their response, <laughs> and from your res- their response to your parenting, yeah, because they're disobedience, right? You say, respect your parents, and they say, who says? You know, that's a sin against you and a sin against God, and yeah. that's why they need saved, right? Mm-hmm. And so, again, baptism cannot save them. Yeah, your, you know. And I get it, parents try to control so much. We want to manufacture their salvation. We really want to do everything possible to make sure they're saved and really saved. And they're going to remember their salvation. But that doesn't sound like the covenant of grace to me. It sounds like the covenant of works. And so so parents, be having these conversations, be gracious and charitable towards your children. When they make a profession of faith, believe them. Yeah. Say amen. Say, of course mm. you are. God's mm. gracious to you. Mm. God gives his blessing to a thousand generations. God yeah. wants to have grandkids. God wants to have, God wants our whole, our your kids and, and their kids and their kids all to be worshiping the Lord yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course you're a Christian. Praise God for that. Yes, you yeah. can take the Lord's Supper. Yes, you can do that. Um, now, let me just hit on real briefly. Um, we do want there to be some level of understanding, some level of embracing them by faith. There could be, see, there could be. Hey, why? Why do they get to do that? I want to do it. That that could be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, that's good too. That's actually positive, godly, holy peer pressure. That's actually good. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> good peer what, pressure. What does that mean? <laughs> hey, I want to do that. Do you know what that means? Yeah. No, Dad. What does it mean? <laughs> Dad's probably never talked to him about baptism or talking about the Lord's Supper. 
Then you describe it. Oh, well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I want to do that. Okay, mm-hmm. then let's do it, right? We have a low bar. We have a low bar of entry here. Mm-hmm. We, do not, we do not want to have some kind of high bar. Or even in like reformed, oh, here's one, reformed covenantal churches, they make their children or their teenagers hold off until they've finished all the catechism before mm-hmm. they can take partake of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. That's like, I get why they're doing it. They're wanting to make sure that people understand what they're committing to and understand the faith and all this kind of stuff. But again, that seems like turning a sign and a seal of the covenant of grace into a works. Yeah. I have to yeah. go to this probably boring class for the next six months before I can actually partake of the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that as very gracious. And uh, I think it's... And, and, and the reason here's the reason why we say it's a low bar. It's not a low bar because it's a that's uh, no big deal. No, actually, it's a low bar because there was only one who could actually go over the high bar, and yeah. that was Christ. That bar was so high, no one could get over it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but Christ, mm-hmm. He got over the high bar, and that then opens the door for us to get, enter into these wonderful opportunities yeah. of, of the covenant of grace. Yeah, people I, might say, hold on one sec. People might say, well, yeah, but. How low is the bar? Well, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Yeah. Mm. Psalm says, out of the mouth of babes, mm. you call forth praise. Yeah. John, the cousin of Jesus, he was in the womb of his mother, and he leapt for joy when he met Jesus. Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> Give him communion. Sh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Alex would say he's getting communion through his yeah, mom. He told me this weekend. I cracked up. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so, but that was a response of faith. That child, John, um, John the Baptist, had faith in his mother's womb and responded with joy to the pre-incarnate, because Jesus is still, well, he's, kind of, he's incarnate. Jesus is in the womb of his mother right there. Mm-hmm. So... He responds to faith. So there's three examples of children having faith before, you know, before they their brains are developed yeah. enough to really get the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So I, I would say mm. on the basis of that, and on the basis of, of mm. uh, m- many other things too. I think was it was it Samuel's mom who dedicated him to the Lord before he was even born and yeah. dropped him off <laughs> after he was weaned, <laughs> dropped him off at the temple. So kids can make these commitments. And and they can possess faith because God is a gracious, a gracious God who 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 elects us before the foundation of the world, mm-hmm. and He can give us faith. So don't be a parent who I'm sorry to say it like this who sounds more like the devil, who just mm-hmm. sounds more like the accuser, yeah. sounds more like you know, um, a, a, a doubter, yeah. doubting Thomas. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to believe until I see the. I see the fruits. I need yeah. to see them fruits first. Yeah. yeah. So let's be gracious parents and point to our a gracious God yeah. and uh, pray and, that, and trust in the Lord that he's going to do the work that we can't do. And I think the good news of that, too, is grace for the kids, um, but also for parents. We are going to jack our kids up in some way, and we're going to mess things up. But then there's also grace and mercy and love for you at the table. So yeah. I think we should remember that as we move forward. That's a good point, because I wanted to bring this up, too. So parents, now you're you're sitting in church and you've got your preteens and teens sitting there with you, and every single week you get to go partake of the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper, the, the, the apostle tells us in Corinthians that we are to examine ourselves mm-hmm. yeah. before we go to the Lord's Supper. And if we have anything against a brother, 
We need to confess it to God and to confess that brother before we go to the table. Mm. So that means brother A and sister A who have been fighting the whole way to church. They have real work to do before they go to the table. Wow. And you can turn to them and say, do you have anything against your brother in your heart? Have you forgiven them? Have you confessed your sins to God for your disobedience? Before you could go to the table, you, you could turn to them in your little family unit. You don't have to rush to the table. You can turn to them and say, I know you guys have been fighting. Have you, have you worked it out? Have you forgiven one another? Are you ready to go to the table? Right, because we don't want to be eat, taking the Lord's Supper in an un, in an unworthy yeah. way. Mm-hmm. So I think, mm-hmm. as fathers specifically, I think that's a key teaching moment for their children. And can you imagine just week in and week out raising kids that do this week in and week out? Practice confession. Mm. Practice forgiving yeah. each mm-hmm. one another before they go to the Lord's table. Because why? I've been forgiven by Christ. I've received so much grace and so much mercy. How could I go to the Lord's table and receive that if I haven't just given it to my brother? Yeah, yeah. right. Right? Yeah. So I, I think that's a, <laughs> a great teaching moment. And I, I think, too, just even as parents, you know, kids will, you know, tell you a little bit of everything. So it's, it's like, um, as you're discipling them, like, remember, like, did you repent to your wife if you were arguing yeah, right, right. if you were arguing before you came to service in the parking lot or whatever that situation is yeah. so that or, you can repent and make it right and um, take the Lord's supper yeah, as well? Yeah, or did you provoke your child to anger <laughs> yeah. on the way to on the way to church? Yeah, right. That's good. So the last thing I want to say is the Bible tells us train up a child in the way that they will go and they will not in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. Now that is a promise from God. That is not a guarantee. Right? It's not a guarantee, but it is a promise. It should be, it's it's the normative practice of Christian parents to raise Christian kids. Yeah. But we we need to be using the the tools that God gave us. That you know, train up train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The Lord, the sacraments are one of those tools mm-hmm. that we're meant to be catechizing our children into teaching them how to confess their sins, teaching them how to forgive one another, teaching them how to rightly take the Lord's Supper. And so that means displaying that and being humble enough to say, son, I provoked you to anger today. I was too short-tempered with you. I'm sorry. I repent. Will you forgive me? That's yes. Good. Okay, cool. And then we go we go to the Lord's Supper together. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, hopefully this was a blessing to you. If you've got any questions, you can email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you guys. We're praying for you. God bless.